Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Grow With Soul. Today's just me and I want to talk to you about creating and selling digital products. I know that digital products are on a lot of people's radars at the moment and especially because they're often touted as easy slash passive ways to make money while you sleep or doing another job. So for those of you who are playing around with the idea of a digital product, this episode is for you. I've been running e-courses for over a year now and in the last month I launched two other digital products, the Purpose Kit and my online workshop. So in this episode I'm going to share the learnings of all those different experiences. So first of all, what even really is a digital product? So most commonly digital products are e-courses and e-books, but really they're just anything that is delivered digitally to the customer. So a video or an audio series, design templates, printables, anything anything that you can imagine that you can deliver digitally is a digital product. You can have them on sale consistently all year round. You can have launch periods where you open and close the carts. So most commonly you'll see that with e-courses. Generally, they don't include any kind of one-to-one contact between you and your customer. Although, you know, you can get some hybrid e-courses or group programs which have that feature uh, in there as well. Um, But that's often why digital products are really so popular for people who want it as a secondary or a tertiary income stream, or for those who have limited time or limited energy to work on their businesses. Of course, there's no such thing as money for nothing. And the claims that digital products are totally passive streams of income are pretty misleading. Aside from the actual creation of the thing, which takes quite, it isn't passive, let's just say, you have to take a pretty proactive role in promoting the product. Just putting it live isn't going to be enough to sell it. Just like just putting a physical product on a shelf isn't enough to get people in through the shop door. You need to always be reminding your audience that your product exists and tapping into new streams of customers to be bringing people in through your shop doors to buy that product. On paper, there's no reason why introducing a digital product shouldn't work for any business. It can be an interesting sideline for a physical product business and provide a more accessible income stream for service-based businesses. So that's exactly what I did. Well, I know that working with me one-to-one over a period of time is not always an accessible for people financially. Having some much smaller price points that people can buy into is really useful. A digital product is full of possibility for you to explore what you do in a really creative and really valuable way. However, you do have to be honest with yourself and decide whether a digital product is suited to you as a human and a business owner. For example, if what I said about needing to proactively market and talk about that digital product feels horrendous, <laughs> then that might be a sign either to use an open close cart model or that just maybe digital products aren't for you. 
if your skill set is more in doing the thing than in teaching the thing, then maybe templates are a better option than an e-course. So really play to your strengths when you're thinking about introducing a new digital product. Think about how you can best provide that product to your person. When I posted on Instagram that I was going to be recording this episode, one of the questions that I got was, is the market for e-courses saturated now? And this is something that I've heard a couple of times and I do think it's a really interesting question to unpack. My stock answer to that has always been that no one ever says, we've got too many books. Nobody write any more books. Nobody publish any more books. There's there's enough books. So in theory, why should e-courses be any different to that? But I do think that's a little bit simplistic because, of course, more people have likely been burnt, particularly in the last couple of years, been burnt by lacklustre e-courses than they have with underwhelming books. And particularly if you buy an underwhelming book, you've kind of lost £8. Whereas if you buy a lacklustre e-course, you might be out several hundred pounds. I think the problem is that over a short space of time, the market was really flooded with e-courses from people who thought they should do an e-course or wanted just to have an e-course and wanted that easy way to make money rather than having all these courses flood the market with really passionate, engaging teachers at their helm. It became, it has definitely become over the last few years, a thing to do. And yes, when it's just you're doing it because it's a thing to do, the customers aren't getting value and they're probably going to be a little bit more sceptical. But people are still selling courses. And the courses that are selling are the ones that are truly valuable and are creating results for the people who take them. And also whose creators are infectiously excited and believe wholeheartedly in their content and their product. So while yes the book analogy is maybe a little bit more simplistic there's always plenty of space for great products you know there's not just one version of a smartphone you know people they could have released the iphone and then samsung and all the other companies were like well there's no point us doing it but there's always new technology coming out there and that just makes it better for consumers so as long as you've got a really great product there's always going to be space for it So what will make your e-course or digital product successful isn't the format or the platform you use, but we will touch on that in this episode. But really, it's just basing it on a really, really great idea. So let's start there. Let's start with the idea and let's start with the planning. In order for people to buy your product, it has to be valuable to them in some way. You know, if it doesn't give them value, they're not going to give you value, i.e. financial value, back. And value means lots of different things and it doesn't have to be just fixing a problem for people. It can be self-exploration, learning a new hobby, taking time for themselves with some escapism. What helps you to sell it and for buyers to justify it to themselves is if you can tangibly show the difference that it's going to make in their life. So the way to do that is to start with a really specific problem you want to solve or perhaps more helpfully, an endpoint you want to help people reach. So thinking about your customer, where they are right now in relation to the topic you want to write your course or your ebook about, and then think about how you want them to feel at the end of that e-course or ebook and and what's the difference in there. And so the content of your course will be made up of traversing that gap between where they are now and where you want them to get to. But as long as you are really clear on what that endpoint is, 
that helps you to sell it, to stay really focused and to be really specific. And specific is key here. If you make it too sprawling, it might as well be a coaching offering rather than a course if you're trying to include absolutely every single possibility for people. And you won't be able to cover it meaningfully in a course environment, which means people will end up kind of disappointed because you didn't fulfill those promises you would never have been able to keep in the first place. But also even before that, customers might not really feel very clear on what they're buying if it's quite wishy-washy and sprawling. So get really clear on what that feeling is, because remember, we've talked about this loads of times through the podcast about starting with why and how decisions are made in the emotional part of the brain. So if we connect to how they feel now and how they could feel on the other side of this course, that can help them to make the decision to know whether this digital product is right for them. So for example, with my campfire course, which is technically a blogging for business course, but it's much more a content marketing course. That's what I had to nail into was I could have gone really big and I could have gone really general about marketing and content. Like there's so much you can say about it. But actually the specific problem I wanted to solve was for people who knew they wanted to do it, but it felt like too big of a product to broach. They needed it broken down into little steps that they could do to actually get started producing great stuff they were proud of consistently. They didn't need to know loads and loads of theory. They didn't need to take it to the next level. They didn't need to monetize it or professionalize it. They just needed to start doing it. So that was the kind of setup with that is where they were at the beginning was feeling very confused and frustrated with themselves and not knowing which way to turn. And by the end, I wanted them to have a plan so they could work through and to feel confident that they knew that they could carry on blogging forever and ever if they wanted to with the tools that they'd learned on that course. So how do you find out what that even is? How do you find out what is the specific problem you want to solve or how people are feeling and how you can help them? So there are really kind of two ways to do this. One is to ask your customers and your target audience and it's really important that you do do a fair bit of research when you're creating a digital product because you can spend weeks and months creating something and then you put it on sale and people are like "Hmm, that's not really exactly what I need I need something a little bit more like this so if you can be helping your customers be a part of the creation process you know that you're going to be creating something that they really want so if you've got a short list of things that you want to you're inspired to help people with if you've kind of assumed a few problems or you've heard a few things on the grapevine or on the gram most likely then start to do some research so do some stories polls if you've got maybe a facebook group or an email list ask a few people if you can email them some questions or offer some kind of discovery calls just so you can get that information from the horse's mouth and get really specific because you'll start to pick up on things that are slightly different to what you might think. Another way to do it is just to generally pick up on the zeitgeist of of what's around. So for my online workshop, which I did live and you can also purchase the replay, it was something that I was picking up through my client calls and also just through what people were saying on Instagram and on podcast recordings and things like that, which was that things were starting to not work and that authenticity and vulnerability in inverted commas were on the rise and people didn't really feel confident about that and people were starting to lose their way with knowing how they can show up and feeling kind of forced to go one way or the other. And that was something that I was picking up over and over again in lots of different places. So I kind of twigged that 
this is a definite problem for people. It's a really specific problem. And this is something that I'm experiencing too as a business owner. So how can I start to draw this out and help people get from this kind of feeling of confusion where they are now and give them some tools to get to a place where they feel more centered in what they're doing and they can market from the inside out rather than the other way around. So if you are starting to hear things over and over again from friends or maybe in your local area, if that's the kind of business that you have, how is that a problem that you can help to solve? I mean, not everything that you pick up on is going to be a problem that you can solve, but if you can feel like you can, that is somewhere that you can start. And combining the two of asking and researching your customers and picking up on the zeitgeist, combine those two and you're onto a winner of an idea. And then the final piece of the puzzle is once you know the problem that you want to be solving or you know the endpoint that you want people to get to with your course or your product, what's the best format for you to deliver that? How can you deliver that result for people the best? And this is kind of twofold. It's what are you best at? Like I said earlier, how can you play to your strengths with it? So if like I said, you're more of a doer than a teacher. Perhaps this isn't an e-course. Perhaps this is more of a book or a really practical set of steps or email templates that you can give to people. Or, you know, is this topic actually a little bit smaller? So like my workshop, that could have been an e-course, but it really didn't need to be. It needed to be a two-hour workshop, talking through things, discussing with people, discussing with people where things were going wrong because I didn't want to just broadcast that content because the problem was in the specificities for people. So if I could actually speak to them over the chat function and dig out what was going wrong, that was the best way for me to help them. So think outside the box a little bit. Don't just think this is my e-course. I'm going to jam this content into an e-course format. How is the best way that you can deliver that result to those people to help them solve that problem? So once you know the format you're going to use and you know the problem that you're solving and who you're solving it for, really there's nothing left but to start making the thing. And really this comes down to how do you work best. So in the episode with Susanna Conway, she said that she likes to start off her courses, but then she kind of creates them as people are working through them. So she's kind of a week or two ahead of her students. So she can be moulding the course in a way that best fits what's coming up with them with their questions. And that might be a way that you really want to work it and it might be the way that your content is best delivered. However, for me, that is very stressful and I hate feeling quite so like I'm chasing my tail in that way. And that's also because I also have other things going on. So when I'm creating a course, I'm also doing client calls and doing emails and doing this podcast and things like that. So it just builds up on me a bit too much. So I like to give myself some space and time to work on the project and get it pretty much there before it goes on sale. So for example, with the purpose kit, I actually booked a little Airbnb for a couple of days and I went away and got it all down, which probably helps because it was an ebook and that always helps. But similarly, when I was creating Campfire the first time, I would spend a couple of days a week, a couple of hours on those days, just typing away. So what I found worked really well for me was to get everything that I could 
out of my head first. So I'd have my outline that I was going to do and I knew roughly what was in each section, but then I'd just type away almost stream of consciousness. And when I got to a place where I didn't know what to say next, I'd move on and try and keep in that flow state just to get everything out of my head. And then I'd go back in and go through it, make it make more sense half the time, but also start to add in examples and choose things that were going to illustrate those points better, add in kind of work from other people. So if I'd read a book and I thought, well, that's a really good quote to illustrate this point, I'll stick that in. So that's how I did it. I got everything that I thought down and then I just kind of put glitter over the top to really bring it to life a little bit more. But again, it's really knowing how you work best. Perhaps if you need to be more methodical and you need to get each section properly done, do it that way. But also it's a really good idea, again, to continue to get feedback at this point. So like I said, with getting the idea in the first place to ask your audience, also make sure you're checking in with those people because you don't want to be going down this road creating this product and you've kind of leaned away from what they really wanted. So when I was in my Airbnb creating the purpose kit, I was on Instagram sharing what I was doing, asking more questions, getting feedback back so I could really make sure I was creating with my audience front and centre in my mind because if it didn't work for them, they were never going to buy it. So once you've got your content There is a slightly important way of thinking about how you're going to deliver it and the software and the platforms to do with that. So with online courses, there are obviously a selection. You've probably used a lot of them as a customer. I've used Teachable. The reason I went with Teachable for my course was because I knew a lot of other courses were hosted on there and that it would be a pretty native platform for people. It can be a barrier to purchase if what you're hosting your course on is maybe something that people don't already have an account with and they can't be they don't want another account with another platform or they've never heard of it and they're worried that they don't trust it so that is a slight consideration to make sure that especially if you are selling to an audience that aren't really au fait with the idea of e-courses then making sure that you've got a platform that makes it easy for them to buy and isn't actually going to be a stopper for them buying is really helpful I know a lot of people are also moving more towards delivering course content by email, which really works because you don't have to pay any extra money other than kind of what you're already doing for your email hosting to be delivering that content. If you do want to use, do an email course or you want to just have a downloadable ebook, I use the WordPress plugin Easy Digital Downloads, which is free and you can put your buy button on and if you go to the purpose kit site that's what's used there so you can kind of see how that journey is. Another platform that I'm kind of heavily researching at the moment is one called Podia which you can have all your e-courses, a membership and digital downloads all in one place so if you want to really make your business model 100% digital products then Podia might be the sort of platform that actually works out to be more efficient for you. But ultimately, it's not the format that's the most important thing. So this is the thing that I would spend the absolute least amount of time deciding. Just find something that works and that makes sense to you that you can use and then spend the rest of the time creating the best course or product you possibly can. Something that people also always ask me about is pricing. And pricing is is so tricky particularly with things like this where you don't have huge amounts of overheads, you don't have material costs or things like that. So it's knowing what you want to make from this 
product and what this product is going to do for you. So actually, if it's more important to you that you get volume coming through, like it's important for your course that there's a really thriving community because they need to be talking to each other to get the best out of that learning experience, then maybe having the price lower to help drive more volume is going to be the best way for you to price that course. Alternatively, if actually you need to hit a certain total income from that course, then actually making it a really kind of boutique course where you only need to sell 10 places, but they're at a higher price, maybe that feels more manageable. Generally, what I say to people when they're creating a product is to start with what that price point they want to sell it at and then create it to fit that price point. Because what we can all do, especially when we've got a topic we're really excited about, is we can just go real deep with it, real big with it. And then we end up with all this content that really is like a kind of four or five hundred pound course. But the people we're selling to are just starting out and they've only really got maybe a hundred pounds to spend. So make sure that you're thinking as part of your creation about how much you want to sell this for and how much that problem is worth solving for your people. Because maybe if it's something that's a bit of self-exploration or maybe a journaling course or something that's not, it's going to be lovely for them, but it's not going to, you know, help them make a million dollars, right? So they're not going to spend £500 on a course that's really just for them. So that is something always to factor in to make sure that you create the content to fit the price that you need to sell it at and the price needs to fit the problem that you're solving. So once you've got your product, you can either start selling it right away before you've even made it. Some people like to do that. They like to do a pre-sale and they say you can buy it now and it will be delivered in two months time. That's a really kind of clever way of doing it because it means you're really properly testing the market. You know, when you do a survey, people say, oh yeah, I'd love to buy that. And then they never actually get their card out of the purse. Whereas if you put it on pre-sale and nobody buys it, then that's probably telling you there's something a little bit awry with the product itself. But if you've got it all created, you're kind of happy, it's there, it's ready to go, then start selling it. So what I've found really useful is to preempt or pre-launch the the sales period. So that's different to a pre-sale. So people can't actually get their card out. They can't pay for it. They can't buy it. But you do start to mention it ahead of time so that people are aware that it's coming and perhaps they can budget for it or they can start to get excited about it. That's, I found, really useful for the purpose kit. My purpose kit had a really good first day of sales and that's because I trailed it for weeks and weeks ahead of time. So that is just by mentioning how I was things of I was making for it or putting up an Instagram countdown sticker or putting it in my email list, starting to create blog content or podcast content around the concept of purpose. So people were starting to get excited about it. And then by the time it went on sale, they'd maybe set up an email alert or an Instagram alert and they were ready to buy at that point. If you're being quite reactive with your product and it's something quick you want to get out, like my workshop, sometimes you've got to just really push it. So with my workshop, it was something that I put on quite last minute. I hadn't planned to do it. I put it on sale three weeks before I was going to run it. And that was just a case of making sure people understood the concept of what it was about. So I had podcast content and blog content went out about it, but also just to talk about it on stories about what the format was going to be, how it was going to help people and knowing that it was there. 
I think that a lot of people feel that we need to sneak a sales pitch in underneath a lot of other valuable content. Whereas actually people are wising up to that. We can see it from a mile off when other people do it. So I think as long as you're being really focused that in everything else that you do, it's purely valuable. There's no sales pitch. You know, you're doing your Instagram stories and they make people laugh or you do your blog posts and they make people think or make people feel something. And then once or twice a week, you unabashedly say, hey guys, I've got my new course coming out. It's in, starts in two weeks and this is what it's about. Here's how you can find it and buy it. And there's no, there's no shadiness there. And it's again, thinking about how people feel. When you uh, sign up for a webinar or you are listening to a podcast and then you kind of start to realise like, oh God, I'm being sold to here. That's not a good feeling. You feel squirmy, you feel awkward, you feel guilty, you feel just gross. Whereas if you look on stories and you're kind of scrolling through and then somebody says, hey guys, here's the link to my workshop, it's going to be great. There's no negative feelings for you there. You're not you're not feeling, oh God, I'm being sold to. You just think, okay, that's that's not for me. I'll just skip ahead. No worries. Or you think, huh, that sounds interesting. Let me find some more details. So I think it's not trying to Trojan horse a sales pitch in so much as just making sure that you're showing up with really great content most of the time and then making sure people know that there's this thing available for them to buy. Well, I would say, especially if you're doing an open-close cart, everybody will buy at the last minute. So for context, for my online workshop, I eventually sold 50 places for the live workshop. And that was on 7pm on a Monday. By the Saturday morning before that, I had sold 13 places. So I sold 37 places over the course of a weekend 25 of which happened on the Monday itself that the workshop was happening. So people will leave it to the last minute. Your job isn't to sell every single time that you mention it. It's just to build up to make sure people know that it's happening. So when they go, oh God, that thing I wanted to do is today, they remember that they wanted to do that thing. So don't worry too much about, especially if you're doing an open close, if it's not selling throughout the sales period, just make sure people know it's there keep talking about it, keep making sure they can be making that decision in the back of their mind. So when by the time the cart's closing, you can send reminders and pop on stories to say, guys, it closes today. And they've already been had the space to make that decision. Of course, if you're doing more of an evergreen type of digital product, so an ebook or a course that's on sale all year round, you don't get that same type of kind of scarcity. So it's something that you have to create a little bit. So you can do some campaigns where perhaps you push it a little bit more in one month. So say you have a planning ebook, January is going to be a really good time to kind of push that ebook and making sure people remember that it's there. Or you might want to do a little campaign where there's an offer. So it could be a discount, but I'd always recommend doing a value add. And this is actually something I'm going to do with the purpose kit. Once I hit 50 sales of the purpose kit, I'm going to do a free Q&A for everybody who's bought it. So I'm about... 17, 15 away from from that number. So that's something that I'm going to start doing over the summer is making sure that people know if they buy it soon, there's going to be a Q&A to help them. So there's little things that you can do like that to make sure that you're pushing your evergreen products too. And then the last question is, what if they don't sell? 
this is a perennial problem, but it's the same in any business. What if nobody hires you for your services? What if nobody buys your pottery? You know, there's always that risk that it might not sell. So make sure that you're in a position where you, you're you not reliant on this product selling in its first iteration, at least, making sure that you've got other income streams that can act as a safety net for you. If it's not selling, that's a really great indicator to you that something's not quite right. So it means you either change the product or it means you change the price or the sales pitch. Going back again to that target audience and working out what's not gelling with them with this product is a really good way to kind of fix it and make it better. But ultimately, if it doesn't sell, what you're left with is a lot of work that's already been done. And it means you can put it elsewhere. Maybe if it was a £400 e-course that was pricing people out. So maybe you can actually break it down into three e-books that sell for £20 each and you can sell way more of them. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the ebook didn't give people enough detail and actually they want a more extensive experience with an e-course. Maybe your course needed to be a series of templates for people. So always try to look at the positives. Remember, nobody else sees it. Nobody else knows how it's done. You know, you can never mention it again after it's been sold or not sold as the case may be. But always remember you've done the work that's in the bank and now you can use it anywhere else that you like. So that was your whistle-stop tour through digital products. I know a lot of people think that e-courses are dead or that they feel worried about doing it, but remember, this is no different to anything else that you're putting out from your business. If you've got a great idea, if there's a problem there that you feel that you've got a solution to, why wouldn't you try and make that happen and and help people to, to get to that point you want them to get to? So don't overthink it. Keep really focused on that idea and how you can deliver that to people. Make sure that they can get results so that there's something practical for them so that they can feel the way you want them to feel on the other side of that product. So after today's episode, I'm taking a little break with Grow With Soul over the summer months, but we'll be back before the autumn with new episodes. If you would like to be part of Grow a Soul, if you'd like to take part in a coaching episode, then please do drop me an email. What I'll do, I'll put in the show notes of the details and also a link to a blog post I've got, which is a guideline of basically how to pitch to me. So read that blog post if you're interested, if you've got something specific you want to get on the phone with me and talk about for a coaching episode, then please do send me your emails over the summer. Meanwhile, all the links that were mentioned will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast, and you can find all the show notes and details there. Do send this episode to a friend who is maybe thinking about creating their own digital product. And also, if you have the time and the inclination, please do leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting your podcasts so that other people can find the show too. And until next time, I hope you grow with song.